Hey, geeks and geekettes, Lysmith and Retinex5 here. Do you know all the ways you can geek out with Geekin? You can search for Geekin Podcast and Blog on iTunes and the Stitcher app. You can always visit the blog for direct podcast download, post to our forum, and talk on the on-site chat room. And as always, you can find Geekin Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. And now, on with the show. Hey, geeks and geekettes, this is Lysmith. And I'm Retinex5, and you're listening to the Geekin Podcast. Welcome to Geekin' on San Diego Comic-Con 2014, the DC edition, recorded on July 31st, 2014. So my phone didn't go off quite as much on the DC stuff as it did the Marvel stuff. Really? Well, that's a good thing, because it sounded like uh, in our last podcast, when the Marvel panel was going on, Age of Ultron panel was going on, you really want to shoot the phone. Yeah. That was rough, but and obviously I've got more Guardians of the Galaxy people coming to my phone than I do Super Friends. But <laughs> well, you are a Galaxian after all, so that's right. We should say that as we're recording, we do have a, our first guest star, and he's that's an amphibian right. guest star We have a wild country frog somewhere in the background on the recording, so it'll be a nice little Where's Waldo for the listeners. <laughs> uh, I, I think that the panels at, at Comic-Con, the DC panels, would have been fun, especially for the TV shows. Obviously, I wouldn't have, have probably been allowed in to the big movie one, but no, the TV I, show I, panels... I'm, I'm pretty sure we have a restraining order against us, so... Yeah. <laughs> It'd be the sack of cheeseburgers I'd bring to throw at Gal Gadot that would tip me off. <laughs> Eat this! Eat this! And you're not even being dirty when you say it. You actually are just trying to get make her healthy. <laughs> um, that's terrible. We give her a lot of shit. But I, we'll get to that coming up. I'm hoping, you know, that she'll knock it out of the park and everything. But we'll talk about that later. Uh, the four shows, uh, starting with Gotham, I didn't see anything real newsworthy out of their camp there. I didn't um, either. I assumed, as, as I mentioned on the last podcast, I was sort of uh, incommunicado during uh, during Comic-Con and just paying attention to my Twitter feed for updates. So I just assumed, like you, I don't really follow a lot of DC-oriented uh, stuff in the in the media. I'm I'm much more into Marvel at the moment. When it comes to the filmed stuff, I'm a DC comic guy, but a Marvel movie guy. So I just assume that I had missed something. But you're telling me there really wasn't a, any sort of big reveals or anything like that. No, there were apparently lots of fun on the panel. There were some interviews. Um, they may have shown the trailer. That I think everybody's seen by now, and that's about it. I mean, there was really nothing really big out there. Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith who is playing uh, Fish Mahoney, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was apparently a blast. Uh, she tweeted earlier today and said... Oh, about, yes, uh, I saw this. This was funny. Yeah, yeah. She, she goes, uh, for all of my friends at Comic-Con who thought I was joking, and then post a picture of her bookshelf covered several shelves worth of Buffy and Angel uh, uh, action figures and statuettes. She's and, one of you people. She's one of my people. She's one of the people. Uh, so... That's right. 
Yeah, she scored major nerd points with me, and uh, so I'll probably be paying a little closer attention to her. I've been hearing so much but, about these panels that, you know, obviously we, we, we aren't there, but are these panels up on YouTube? I mean, have you heard anything about people of, of San Diego Comic-Con themselves or the networks that are promoting the shows actually just putting like the 35-minute or 45-minute Q&A panels up on YouTube or somewhere online where the rest of us can uh, can hear them? Because I know that like Kevin Smith, for instance, always puts his uh, Evening with Kevin Smith uh, Hall H appearance up on one of his podcasts. Usually it's Smodcast, sometimes it's Hollywood Babylon, just whichever one it sort of fits with. But have you? I mean, I would love to hear watch like the Arrow panel or any any of those because I love those actors, and certainly the Avengers panel would be great to listen to because, listen to or to see on video because that's just a great collection of characters, you know, and, and uh, very personable actors. Have you heard anything about these panels actually being online to be viewed? I don't know about official, but I know that you can find at least the Avengers panel on YouTube. I haven't watched it yet, but I did see it up there. I think it's like 50 minutes long. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm definitely going to have to to check that out. I mean, it just seems like that would be a nice thing for every, you go to YouTube. Everybody has an official YouTube channel now. All the networks, everything. I'm surprised San Diego Comic Con itself doesn't, uh, you know, in the days afterwards start putting up some of these panels or DC or Marvel or whoever would make some sort of an agreement with San Diego Comic-Con for a week later to allow them to release that video onto the web because they spend all this money and all this time putting these presentations together. You'd think that they would want more people to see it than just the people who actually went to Comic-Con. I completely agree. And I will check and see if I can find the links and, um, try to add them to the blog post and definitely post them to the Facebook page. Um, yeah, I mean, that's great. I mean, we could even do like a mystery science theater thing, just us watching hey, them yeah. and just making fun of them, which is what we do best. Absolutely. So nothing really big coming out of, out of Gotham. No, I think it looks good. I'm excited for it. Uh, it looks way better than I had heard, hoped when I first heard about it, but nothing new from San Diego Comic-Con. I have to agree. The couple trailers I've seen have um, – They've definitely given me a little bit of hope. Like with you, when I first heard about it, when I first heard about it, I thought it was a good idea. Then when I heard about the the kid aspect to it and began seeing some of the casting choices, I sort of got a little bit less excited about it. But the previews that have come out have, uh, you know, I'm not about to say it's going to be Arrow or anything like that, but it definitely looks better than I feared it would be. One of the surprising things I heard out of the Gotham camp is that um, the kid playing Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. was apparently a blast. He was funny and personable and uh, ans- answered every question threw at him and uh, was just a really awesome person to have uh, at Comic-Con at all, but, but most importantly on the panel. So while the spotlight on Detective Gordon, and he was in a lot of the pictures and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, Bruce Wayne kind of stole the show. Well, that's great. I mean, that's one of the things that DC television has gotten so right that DC movies have gotten so wrong, which is just the fun element. You know, Arrow is a ton of fun. I mean, I mean, obviously, when they get into very serious subjects, uh, every season apparently has to end with Oliver Queen saving the city. Um, but there's still a lot of 
joy amongst those cast members. You can see that they love what they're doing. They, they're all on social media and are very, you know, they're fun to follow. They make being a fan of the show a great deal of fun because you feel a part of it. Um, Flash seems to be going in that direction just because of the couple of aspects that are connected to Arrow already. It's good to see that Gotham is also, you know, the actors involved look like they're having a good time. You know, it's very different from the DC movies where the actors all look like they're going to a funeral. You know, there doesn't seem to be a lot of joy amongst the actors when they talk about the films. Um, but when you see the television actors talk, it's it's infectious how happy they are, how much they're enjoying this. It's it's almost Marvel-like, so to speak, when it comes to just that, the, the general fun that everyone's having. So, yeah, I'm, gl- I'm glad to hear that the actors on Gotham uh, go to Comic-Con and have a good time and just really enjoy the, enjoy the experience. The more... The more fun they're having, I think the better their performances are going to be. Thank you for that, because that gives me a wonderful segue right into my Constantine stuff. Oh, there you go. (laughs) One of the news out of the Constantine camp is that they're replacing Lucy Griffiths, uh, who played Liv uh, in the the pilot. Um, There was no official word on why they just decided to go in a different direction. Uh, I think a lot of it had to do with um, the people who saw it. And some of their, uh, you know, focus groups and stuff were like, this is basically um, the girl gets saved by the guy again. And we've seen this a million times. Yeah. Uh, we need a stronger female role. And so instead of uh, growing Liv throughout the show, they're just replacing her with another character from the comic books. Oh. <laughs> Angelica Saleya is going to be playing Zed. And uh, going right along with what you said about Twitter, she's been posting – on Twitter numerous times about how much fun she's having on the set, how excited she is uh, to be playing in, in Constantine and the character and how the character is growing just over the few uh, scenes and shows that she's shot so far and uh, that she's having a lot of fun with it. And so I posted and actually tagged her and the Constantine writers. And I was saying that this was, Really good to see, and I'm really glad that she's so excited and talking about it all the time, that showing love for the show and the role really means a lot. Mm-hmm. And she actually not only favored, but retweeted the tweet. Oh, that's great. So, yeah. One more one, – we're just so – it's odd. We have more celebrities tweeting us than listeners listening to our podcast. How does that work? That is very true. I'm not sure how that – I'm going to have to start, like, adding the link to the podcast when I tweet celebrities because <laughs> – Because I tell you what, we don't have anyone listening to the podcast, but damn it, we have celebrities who know us. <laughs> That's right, yeah. I don't know what's going on, but <laughs> – So that was the, probably the biggest news out of the Constantine camp was that they're replacing the main female role with another character, and the direction they're going in seems to be better. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be a better thing for the show overall. So, um, I I wasn't in, I wasn't terribly excited about Constantine uh, when this was first announced. We've mentioned on a previous podcast that I kind of don't like the idea that they're all on separate networks. Um, yeah. I would have preferred that Gotham and Constantine were on the CW, so that well, my dream is that CW would just have a comic a DC comic book show on every night of the week. Um, but at least there could possibly be the possibility of crossover between those shows. If not characters crossing over, then sort of mentions of other places. You know, you know, Gotham could mention um, 
uh, and a just point starling. Um, there could be a, it could feel a part of the same universe. So I was a little hesitant going in with Constantine and Gotham being on different networks. Also, I'm not as familiar with Constantine as I am got the, you know, obviously Batman, Flash, uh, Green Arrow. I've read those comics. I grew up reading those comics. Um, Constantine was always part of the Vertigo universe. Uh, to me, I, it was a cover that I saw that made me go, hey, Sting is a comic book character <laughs> because he looked like Sting. But I never really read those comics. I know that especially since um, they've rebooted the universe and incorporated the Vertigo characters into the New 52, uh, Constantine has become a major player in the Justice League Dark universe. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know also that you are a huge fan of the Justice League Dark universe. So you, I know, are thrilled with just the idea of a Constantine show. Absolutely. One of the things that I, I makes me excited about all of these shows is that the actors themselves cross show behind the scenes, uh, get along really well. They all grouped up together at Comic Con. Um, they have they're all still owned by WB, so you've still got the WB representing all four shows, which is great. Which um, is great. Right. 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 You don't have necessarily the CW, but Warner Brothers. And so the Warner Brothers PR people is, is still running the show and keeping them all together. And um, they were all posing for pictures together and cutting up and uh, just acting like one big family which, there at the show. Which so. is what we love because as comic book fans who grew up with these characters, they're family to us. And they should be family to each other because they live in the same universe. We've read so many comics where they've interacted with one another. That is great. Just great to see it coming to life. That sort of camaraderie coming to life. Now, as I was saying, I wasn't a huge proponent of the series, but at Comic-Con, they released the first trailer for Constantine. Have you seen the trailer? I don't think I've seen the Comic-Con trailer, no. Uh, it may not have been the Comic-Con trailer, or it may have just been the trailer that was released at about the same time. Uh, okay. It blew me away. I want to see the show, and I want to see it now. Oh, no, 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 no. I did watch that. I did watch that. You're right, um, because it showed uh, uh, the Dr. Fate helmet. The Dr. Fate helmet, yes. Yes. I, it just blew my mind, because I sat there, and I was like, this is like a magical horror series with a little bit of comedy mixed in. I don't... Which is very much what uh, Hellblazer was. Mm -hmm. I just did not expect them to do that on network television. I mean, just the previews alone, there's some, well, there's some genuine scares in that trailer. Yeah. And there's some intensity in that trailer. I mean, that looks like it's a trailer for an HBO series. I mean, right. there's stuff there that looks genuinely horrifying, quite frankly. I mean, the kind of stuff you would see in a horror movie, an R-rated horror film. And the fact that they're going, they're, that they're going to go for that. This is, how can I put this? This is Vertigo Universe Constantine. I mean, Vertigo has always been the more, you know, over 18 side of DC Comics. Um, not, you know, not simply for content, also story-wise. I mean, that's where you're, historically, that's where the grown-up stories were told. And so seeing this trailer, they're doing Vertigo Constantine, which is exciting to me. I mean, I it looks unlike anything that I've seen in the comic book universe on film or television and seeing that trailer makes me think, huh, 
maybe this is why they're trying to get Doctor Strange going over at Marvel. That's, that that could be very true, yeah. I know that uh, the uh, Constantine writers have their own Twitter account, and they said that they that Hellblazer is the comic book they're trying to bring to the TV. Mm-hmm. And I really expected New 52, Constantine, which is uh, uh, far, far lighter. Exactly. Less horror, you know, and um, – but they're they're going for Hellblazer, and it it seems to me, from what I've seen, that this is going to be like supernatural on steroids. Supernatural mm-hmm. without the the pretty boys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so supernatural that I would watch, quite frankly. <laughs> right. Uh, it does, because it looks like a supernatural got scary a time or two, but this looks like it's going to take it up a notch. Yeah, this looks like just from the the, the previews, this looks like a genuine horror series, something that I haven't seen on network television, network television, in quite a while. So I'm excited for it. I mean, not simply for the horror element. I mean, the preview itself that looks like a good story. The actors, the actors look really good. I have to tell you, he may not look like Sting. But the actor they have playing Constantine, he looks like he nails it. Oh yeah, and even if he doesn't look like Constantine, he's got the attitude. He he nails the the essence and the voice of Constantine so well. I'm just all about it. Um, I I need to go over the trailer in detail because one of the things that I read in an article about it said that they not only teased Doctor Fate but Papa Midnight and the Spectre. Well, I saw the Doctor Fate. I did not see Spectre or Papa Midnight. But then again, that's probably ba- well. The Fate thing is just a uh, mask in the background of a scene, right? So yeah. it probably is something similar to that, where it's, or or a obscure name, uh, you know, a real name, not character name, or not su- not alter ego, but the real name being uh, tossed out. But yeah, okay, I, I'm more than happy to watch that again. In fact. There's been some talk that the episode is available through some of the less uh, respectful areas of the internet. The shady, shady alley kind of. <laughs> yeah, the shady alley. That and the Flash. Have, how did that happen? Have you heard anything about that? The problem is they sent out uh, promo uh, DVD of the pilots. I know that uh, there's a blog that does just Flash stuff that has been just huge. I mean, they've the stuff that they have done for the Flash TV show, even with all of my free time, I don't think I could do to the level of this. And so the CW actually sent them, they, they showed a picture of it, uh, promo DVD of the pilot. And uh, they specifically said that they weren't going to show anybody, they weren't recording or anything, but here's the shot of the DVD, neener, neener, look what I got kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it, they did send it out. It is out there. So somebody just got a hold of it and put it online. I was wondering about that um, because it's one thing for a show to leak a day or two before it comes out. And I, I, I mentioned on a previous podcast, I think it was last week's podcast, that I watch a show on the CW called Rain. Uh, it's sort of a history show. Well, it's really, it's bad history. It's good. It's good soap opera, but it's bad history. Um, <laughs> But that show airs, I think, a day earlier or two days earlier in Canada than here. So usually, you know, something like that, you can see how it would end up coming out early, so to speak. 
And there are still a handful of independent networks where they send hard copies out a few days ahead of time. And, they, you know, that's how they actually broadcast them in the more rural areas. But I'm sitting there thinking, we're months away from these shows debuting. So how did these copies get out? So I guess, yeah, they were sending them out to previews to sort of rev up interest in the shows. And then somebody did something they should not have done, something rather naughty. That happens right. a lot on the internet and got the uh, the shows out there. Hmm. You know, what? You know, watching it isn't bad. It's only uh, the people who uploaded it who did something. Hmm. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think I can bend my, uh, my, my legal morality a little bit to try and find it and watch it. Because certainly the, the preview alone, my interest level went up 100%. Before that, I was in there going, yeah, uh, I'll watch it. You know, it's, it's it's DC in a roundabout way. It's DC. I'll check it out. Um, but it definitely went from yeah, to one of the shows that I literally am counting the days to the premiere of. Absolutely, yeah. And there's um, something about a phone number as well, right? Yes, yes. Uh, I believe it was the same weekend as San Diego Comic-Con, uh, they, or maybe it was shortly before. Uh, in any case, uh, they started tweeting this number and a picture screenshot of Constantine holding up his uh, business card to the screen, and uh, they used a real phone number. And I looked at this number for a long time, and not only was it in the picture, but it was on the tweet itself. And I thought, I, I wonder if that's a real number. I mean, it looks like a real number. And so I called it, mm-hmm. and Con- I got Constantine's voicemail. Really? Oh, I was thought it was going to be like a Nigerian prince or something like that. Some sort of a, <laughs> we now have your account information. Ha ha ha. No, it was it was John Constantine's voicemail. It was a, a very cool little uh, promo thing. That I, I've seen other places do other TV shows and movies do, but this was uh, I guess the last one I saw was um, Despicable Me 2. I think it was. And an actual phone number for some agency on there, and I called it, and there was a little recording. <laughs> and so this is this is the first time I've seen this, but uh, it was very cute, and I, I encourage everybody to go out and call this number and listen to this recording. I'm gonna go ahead and give the phone number: four zero four four zero four two four You just realized we're gonna we're gonna shut that thing down with all the traffic we're gonna send their way. Absolutely. My mom's be calling that thing so many times. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to call it tonight. I want to I hear. Oh, yeah. Hopefully it'll still be active when I call it. <laughs> I won't like have shifted back to somebody else's phone. I do love the viral marketing that's going on now. It's so much more interactive. It makes the, the, the publicity of a movie just as much of an event as the movie itself. You feel just as involved as the film itself. And it, just ramps up the enthusiasm. I love this sort of stuff. So Constantine is very much a show I'm looking forward to. And um, uh, the other one that you mentioned, the pilot that was leaked, was The Flash. Mm-hmm. Which, again, we didn't have a lot of news out of. I mean, they're still working on the show. It's about to come out. They don't want to release too much. But we did have a couple of little things that I do want to mention. Not released during San Diego Comic-Con, but before that... We got, we found out that Stephen Amell's brother, Robbie Amell, was cast as Firestorm for Flash. That's sort of, the fact that uh, Robbie Amell um, was cast doesn't really surprise me because the CW likes the Amells. 
you know. Yes. He was on another show. Uh, was it the T- Tomorrow People or the One Hundred? The Tomorrow. People. The Tomorrow People. Um, so that doesn't surprise me. What surprises me is freaking Firestorm. Talk about a character that I never expected to see on TV or film. Yeah, that's going to be a little complicated. I mean, it's, it's already got to be a higher budget movie just because you have The Flash, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, special effects. So, I mean, that, that takes it up another step because Firestorm was very, very special effects heavy. And obviously, they're going to have to make it darker and grittier, right? It's kind of, they're going to have to change it up for TV a little bit, but how much can they change it and still be the character? You know, but now that I think of it, it sort of fits where they're going. Arrow is their. Very, you know, it's the same production company doing these two shows. And I don't just mean WB. I mean, it's the actual same producers uh, doing Arrow and Flash. Arrow seems to be more of their um, down-to-earth, very realistic – well, as realistic as a superhero show can get um, – show. Flash already seems to be going far more into the science fiction Direction. I mean, just the feel of the the couple episodes of Arrow that um, that the Flash sort of appeared in um, had that that edge to it. I mean, you had the whole thing with the um, the, the 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 Ted Cord reactor thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It already had a bit of a sci-fi feel to it. So the fact that they're bringing Firestorm in sort of makes me think that maybe Flash is going to be a kind of a comic book sci-fi type of program as opposed to just a comic book action adventure program as Arrow is. Um, The other uh, real news to come out of the Flash camp was that they cast another villain from the call books, Plastique, played by Kelly Fry. I am not familiar with this character, which is surprising because I've read a lot of Flash. The most I'm familiar with this character actually is from uh, the cartoon Justice League Unlimited. Um, she does bombs. Huh. I wonder if she's a. Plus. I wonder if she's a uh, cartoon character, sort of like um, uh, John Harley Quinn. Oh, Harley Quinn. Yeah, sort of like Harley Quinn, but also wasn't um, Green Lantern John Stewart. Oh no, no, he was in the comic books. He first. was in the comic books first, but he yeah. was definitely pushed forward more in the cartoons. Oh yeah, oh, and definitely. then he sort of caught up in the comic books. Yeah, but I guess Harley Quinn. Yeah, uh, because I just I I don't recognize this character, and I've read a lot of DC. I, I've seen her name. I've seen her name. I want to say she was. Uh, she might have been in Suicide Squad for a little while. Um, okay. Or I could have totally pulled that out of my ass, but I'm I'm pretty sure she's in Suicide Squad for a while. But of all not, you could possibly pulled out of your ass, that would be my preference. <laughs> um. Oh, they're doing the uh, uh, they are doing an Arrow Flash crossover for at least an episode, uh, episode eight of Arrow. Uh, I don't know if it'll be the same number episode for Flash, but. Did they give any details as to what they mean by crossover? That's it. They just said episode eight crossover. Mm. So I'm assuming that we will get like what I normally see with shows that crossover like uh, Buffy and Angel did was you'll have one episode where Arrow is in Flash and then the next episode Flash comes over into Arrow. Oh, okay. That would be fun. So you'll get – so even if you like one show and not the other, you'll still get the cool – 
crossover. Hmm. So. I was kind of hoping for a bit more ongoing crossover with the character of Felicity sort of being back and forth between the two shows. Actually, speaking of Felicity, mm-hmm. moving right on into our Arrow stuff. I am the master of Segway tonight. You really are, just on the ball. Uh, <laughs> in an interview with the executive producer, Andrew Kreisberg, he said that season three is all about the price of victory. Right now, everything is coming up Arrow, <laughs> and as Joss Whedon says, when one of your characters is happiest, you have to yank it away. Well, I had to include that Joss Whedon. I, I was about to say, hold on, hold on. That's like crossing the streams right there. You cannot do DC crossover with Marvel. I, get, I got my butt chewed out when I went to see the Avengers and I was wearing my Justice League uh, uh, shoes, my Justice League sneakers. So I don't want to get any hear any of this stuff where uh, Christberg is calling on, you know, proclaiming the name of St. Joss here. You know what? It's funny you say that because I made a, a, a flip it off just – I don't know where tweet a few weeks ago. I said, I'm headed out the door. Is is it uh, a geek full pod? I wear my Deadpool t-shirt and my Joker hat. <laughs> and I said, I don't want the geek fashionistas to get onto me, you know? <laughs> and I got more people chiding me for caring about what other people think than I got for Cross and DC and Marvel. They're like, wear what you want to wear. You like what you like. It doesn't matter. So... Whoever got onto you for wearing your Justice League shoes at Avengers can Suck. sit on a pen. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, one of the th- back to Arrow. Back one of the things uh, we will be seeing in Arrow is, I think, total fan service. Uh, we're getting a Oliver and Felicity date. He is asking her out. This is a romantic pursuit for Oliver. Well, it, it seemed like with the finale last season that they were pointing directly toward that. Um, with- well, there's always been that tension, and then he said what he said to her at the finale, mm-hmm. but then it was a ploy to get Slade to follow her, and so I thought that was just a little nod to the, they're called Olicity fans, um, the people that ship Oliver and Felicity. I'd ra- Galaxian <laughs> sounds so much better than Elicity. So I, I thought that was just what they were going to do. I thought that was just a nod to the Elicity fans to, to uh, uh, appease them for this little tease them a little bit, you know? Because there's always been that tension, and she's always had a crush on him. But I never actually thought that they'd go so far as to try to hook the two of them up. It, true. It could end up being like David and Maddie on Moonlighting. You know, once they get together, nobody cares anymore. You totally just dated yourself. I did. People are like, Moonlighting? What the hell is that? Moonlighting? <laughs> Who the hell are David and Maddie? <laughs> Luckily, I watched Moonlighting, so you're good. Okay, good. good. <laughs> uh, but, you know, uh, Andrew Kreisberg said that when everything comes up arrow, he's going to start having to yank stuff away. So this Olicity thing may be setting Felicity up for a downfall. Uh, they did say that they they, they, talk, they asked him about uh, Felicity potentially becoming Oracle. It's something that fans have debated on mm-hmm. uh, ever since the show started. And he said uh, we've known her backstory for a long time, and one of the early episodes this season will be a flashback to Felicity at her time at MIT. The title of the episode is Oracle. Hmm. I'm. Hmm. I don't know. Barbara, Barbara Gordon is Oracle. 
That's just a, I agree. That's just a bit too much of a change for me. They could have her in the episode know Barbara Gordon and introduce the character of Barbara Gordon. But uh, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I fracking love this show. So if they have her be Oracle, I'll be fine with it. But that's just so. That's Barbara Gordon. But I, I, yes, I, I agree, and I loved Barbara Gordon as Oracle. But DC themselves has gone away from that, and Barbara Gordon is now Batgirl again. And so there's this vacancy, uh, and the place that Oracle had uh, isn't there anymore. And so I think bringing someone else in to take that mantle, I think, works. I think uh, that she, she could very easily fill that role for Green Arrow as Oracle filled for Batman. You see, this is where they should have all been on the same network because there's no reason why you have to follow the new DC universe, the the new 52 universe. You could have very easily had Barbara Gordon be the handicapped sister or cousin or niece of Jim Gordon on Gotham and crossed over the characters. I mean, it doesn't have to be been shot by the Joker or anything like that, but there's no reason why Barbara Gordon has to first be Batgirl and then be Oracle. I mean, you can mess around with the timeline as much as you want. Um, but I just think having somebody else be Oracle is like, why it doesn't have to be Oliver Queen, I guess, to be Arrow. I mean, you at least have to keep who the characters are. You can change their backstories. But I would just like it to be somebody named Barbara Gordon. I just don't think they're going to do that because of the fact that my understanding is with the with the Gotham series, they've locked up a lot of those character names and can only be used over on that show. You can't really have Arrow referencing Gotham or anything, or, or the Gordon family or anything like that. Right, but Oracle, I suppose, is probably... Uh, specifically tied to the Birds of Prey mm-hmm. uh, franchise, so is open for use for Arrow. So that that's that's true. That's true. Um, but again, then the question is: Is it Barbara Gordon or is it just Oracle? So therefore, they would have to have to have to have it be somebody other than Barbara Gordon, the Oracle, i.e. Right. Felicity. And as I said, I'm I'm debating right here. I'm hedging and hawing, but at the end of the day. I have all sorts of faith in the Arrow writers. They really haven't let let me down at all. I think the first two seasons have been absolutely absolutely amazing. Really, what I think is going to actually happen is um, Roy's getting his new costume, and they're going to start calling him Arsenal. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that Felicity is going to go, "Hey, I need a cool superhero name too." <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think is going to happen. And they're going to stick her with Oracle. Is what it is. <laughs> But another thing that I thought might have disappointed you just a little bit was another piece of news uh, that came out this past week. Um, not specifically the news itself, but the uh, details surrounding it. Uh, we're getting the Atom. Yeah, I actually like the like the casting here. Um, and I like that they're bringing the character in. I like the Atom. Uh, I like Ray Palmer's character. Um, and... I like Brandon Routh. I, I like Brandon Routh. He was the one of the only good things about Superman Returns um, was his performance. He was excellent in the role. I've also seen him in like Zack and Miri, you know, the Kevin Smith movie. Uh, he's, a, he's a good actor. And he also, from everything I've heard, is a genuine comic book fan. 
So yeah. getting him into a comic book series, great. I love it. Everything Stephen Amella said is that he's really meshing really well with everybody else, and it's going to be a great addition to the cast. And um, I do want to say that there were there were some people because there are always those people, mm-hmm. but there were some people who came out and said he was Superman in a movie, and it's going to confuse people. And you know what? Fuck you. Okay. <laughs> Okay, Captain America used to be Human Torch. We're over it. Okay, <laughs> let's move on. We're all adults. We can tell this isn't Superman. Come on. Uh, yeah, if only here's if only he still were Superman. I have I I want to go back and rewatch that movie now in the post Man of Steel day. I have a feeling I will probably have a greater appreciation for that movie than I originally. You will. That yeah, yeah. Because I didn't have much of an appreciation at all for that movie when it came out. Except for his performance. I thought he was excellent in the role. But yeah, there's a little bit of news tied into this. And when we were talking before the show, this is the first I've heard about this. Do you want to share it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Andrew Kreisberg said that uh, we actually originally asked for Ted Cord, uh, But DC has other plans for him. So they said, how about Ray Palmer? And we said that would work even better. Now, Ted Cord in Cord Industry was mentioned constantly in season two. It was always yeah. in the background. Yeah, I think it was probably one of those things where they it was kind of like Easter eggs at first, and they kept throwing it in there. And uh, but as the more they threw it in there, they were and they came up with this spot where they kind of needed this kind of guy. They said, okay, well let's go ahead and bring him in there. I mean, we've Easter egg demon. We've we've mentioned him a time or two. Let's go ahead and make this an actual person. And uh, when they actually went to DC, DC was like, well, actually, it's okay for you to mention him, but we have other plans for the character. So, ladies and gentlemen, here's the question of the night. Are we going to have a Blue Beetle appearance coming up in the uh, Justice League film or a Blue Beetle TV show? Or, God, please be nice and say a Blue and Gold TV series. I would kill for a Blue and Gold TV series. They would have to tweak the costumes a bit, but I think it could work. I think the dynamic and the the humor of it all would uh, really, really work. I'm afraid they're looking at putting Ted Cord in one of the other shows. Let's see. What other show would he fit in? I mean, would I don't think he would actually fit in any of them. He so. <laughs> would sort of fit in the Flash if they were going with the sci-fi direction. But Right, but, but if they're going to put him in Flash, why not let him be in Arrow? Exactly. I was going to say, Kreisberg is also the producer of the Flash. So that doesn't make any sense. So that would just leave Constantine? Uh, no. And Gotham? No. They seem to be going for kind of a gritty... Um, sort of uh, Dark Knight vision, so to speak, of Gotham. Uh, and t- Ted Cord's not going to fit into that. So are we talking about bringing the Blue Beetle into the cinematic universe? I think I might be able to see Ted Cord and Constantine if giving that uh, uh, tech versus Constantine's Supernatural. Uh, supernatural, you know, uh, that kind of balance there. Keeping from being all the way to Blue Beetle. You know, mm-hmm. but still use uh, every other aspect of the character. Um, other than that, I don't think you'd fit in Constantine or Gotham at all. You're right. Uh, I hope they don't put another superhero in the Justice League. I like Blue Beetle, so I don't want him to be a part of the Justice League. I, yeah, I think that's really what it boils down to is we both like that character, and we both know how freaking horrible DC movies are. I mean, people running the DC Cinematic Universe, um, Goyer and Snyder, just don't know what they're doing. I mean, they know what they, they're doing in the sense that they make money. Right. They don't know what they're doing in the sense of actually telling a coherent story that makes actual sense. 
Um, and I'd hate to see Ted Cord sort of bastardized um, like that in one of those films. I would much, I'd be much more excited uh, for Cord to appear on the television side because DC television is just kicked on cylinders here. Right. I my surprise uh, over this little tidbit of information is that they're if they're going to go with a Blue Beetle, they're going with Ted Cord, and I figured really. Uh, with the younger generations, mm-hmm. the Blue Beetle is Jamie Reyes, and he's popular and um, a person of color, which, frankly, DC just needs mm-hmm. more true. of in their stuff. So I, I figured that would be the Blue Beetle they'd go with. So if they're going to make it take Cord, they may not make him Blue Beetle. I, I just sort of lost on this because if DC is saying that they can't have it, then it's something coming from DC, which means basically Jeff Johns. He's sort of right. their liaison in this whole area. Um, my first thought when you were mentioning that, I was like, well, they can make Ted Cord almost like a Luther type character because he's right. got the business end and the science end, but that would be more of a of an actual producer idea, a writer idea. The fact that they're holding him back. Just makes me. It just the fact that a television guy asked DC for a character, and DC said no, makes me think that it's the film side that has guessed yeah. in that character. That it's freaking Goyer and Snyder that have mentioned that character because Kreisberg is sort of the guy right now for DC television. He's producing two of the four shows, and I'm assuming the TV guys have some interaction with each other. So. It just seems like for him to ask for a character and to be told that they're not going to go with that, or that they have other plans for the character, it just seems that it must be something on the cinematic side rather than the television side. Okay, remind me when we talk about uh, our last topic here that I want to come back to the Blue Beetle thing. Okay. Okay. Uh, let me see. Um, oh, oh, a couple of other little things. Did you watch the trailer for Arrow? I did watch the trailer. I started out about a minute into it, and I was thinking they're just retreading stuff from last year. There's no new footage right. here. And then they began adding some new footage. A um, couple characters returning who uh, we weren't sure if we were going to return. Um, uh, the uh, Canary, uh, Sarah, mm-hmm. uh, comes back. And then at the very end, there's a bit of a surprise. Oh, yeah. The, I mean – Obviously, you knew what was coming before he said it, mm-hmm. but the build-up to it, I mean, it just had my heart racing, and then at the end of it, I, was, I wanted to stand up and cheer. It was just a great trailer, and just really grabbed you, and like you said at the beginning, I was like, oh, I've already seen all this crap, mm-hmm. but then like the last minute of the trailer just had me going, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and they're gonna, they're, it seems like they're going to bring in Ra's al Ghul. Which is just insane. I mean, and I think... I, I can't be absolutely 100% sure, but the voice over there who was talking to Oliver about Ra's al Ghul while they were showing you know, pieces of him mm-hmm. uh, sounded like his mom. Uh, what I think they were doing was they were playing every single audio clip from the first two seasons of people talking about Ra's al Ghul. They, okay. they grabbed a couple clips of um, Malcolm talking about him. They grabbed the clip of his mother talking about him. Uh, they grabbed a clip of Sarah talking about Ra's al Ghul. Uh, there, I, I don't think any of the dialogue about him was anything new. I think okay. literally grabbing stuff from the, from the, because they've been teasing Ra's al Ghul since 
very early on. Yeah, yeah, season one. Yeah, very early in season one as well. Um, so yeah, the, I don't think the audio stuff was anything new. Uh, there, there were, there was new footage, obviously. Like I said, Sarah and a couple of the scene, a couple of scenes with um, Quentin. Um, you know, they had uh, some new scenes in there, but the Raza Ghoul stuff, I think the the voiceover anyway was pulled was was audio clips. But um, okay, well, since they brought back Merlin, I thought it wasn't too far fetched for them to bring back his mom. And for her to be having to work for I actually Raza Gould I would love her love for her to come back because uh, I really like that actress. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and I think that if they brought her back, and because she was brought back, she was having to work for Roz, you know, uh, one way or another, you know, make it whatever. But for her to kind of be, um, well, Roz does have the Lazarus bit. Right, so right. So if you brought her back, and she had to be you know, working for him because of that. And she could be that message of foreboding doom that Raj sends to Oliver to let him know he's coming for it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that would be awesome. Um, Some of the other things that uh, were talked about in interviews and again, shown there in the trailer, uh, we'll get to see where Oliver meets Amanda Waller. Yes, that was the bulk of the new footage. Was him in? I believe it was was it Hong Kong. Looked like it. Yeah, in Hong Kong, and uh, we're going to see sort of, I, I guess, where he got his Russian mafia contacts. Right. Uh, where he sort of has had this sort of underworld spy life. Uh, one of the articles I read also said that they will be introducing Katana, who is. I believe she's been in the new 52. She's been in Green Arrow and she's been in Justice League of America. Yeah, Katana is a very popular character. In fact, there was a, one of DC's recent uh, cartoons, Be, uh, Beware of the Batman. It was all about Katana. There was no Robin in it. It was actually Batman and Katana. Very cool. So she's a very um, popular character, yeah. One of the things I saw online, actually, uh, they're bringing back Tommy Merlin for a I don't know if it's a flashback or a cameo or ghost haunting Oliver. I don't know what's going on, but uh, uh, the actor who's playing, who played Tommy Merlin will be back in season three. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, The the big thing that I thought, the big announcement that came out this, this past weekend, uh, Ted Grant. That, yeah, this is the first I've heard of this. Uh, Um, That's definitely pointing toward, Laurel going in the direction that I think you and I have wanted Laurel to go into. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I believe it was Andrew Kreisberg said that he will have interaction with Laurel, that he is will be a serious part of Laurel's story in season three. And of course, in the which, comic books. Right, Wildcat trained Laurel as Black Canary in the comic books. Exactly. So finally, Laurel will actually, may actually do something of value in season three, which she really didn't do for most of season two. That character right. took a severe step back in interest, to be honest with you. It was, one, it was really one of the only missteps Arrow has made so far. It's been the mishandling of that character. The only complaint – I didn't get to, I didn't get the guy's name. Let's see if I can find it. But the only complaint I've seen about this Wildcat announcement is that the guy is really young. Um, 
Yeah, let me see if I can get a... Oh, I hope they're not going to turn him into, like, a triangle situation with Laurel I and think, Ted and Oliver. I think they might. I think um, and it would make kind of sense. I think not so much. Um, let's see. J.R. Ramirez. Uh, let me see what else she's been on here. Oh, no, this guy's way too young. I don't immediately recognize him, but um, he's born in 1980. Yeah, he's way too young. So he's five years older than I am. And in the comic books, for those that don't know, uh, uh, Ted Grant was was older. He's like, I want to say middle-aged, maybe a little bit older than that. Um, yeah, he doesn't have to be, you know, 80 years old, but I would like somebody who's at least – late 30s, maybe early 40s to play Ted Grant? Somebody well, who's got a little experience in life? I'm 29, so this guy's five years older than I am. That'd put him early to mid-30s. Okay, first of all, you're making me feel really old because I'm almost five years older than this guy is. <laughs> <laughs> so let's hold off so, on the fam- on him being the old man of the sea, okay? <laughs> but I think that... that if, if they play it as – I mean, look, all of season two, Laurel spent in the gutter and trying to drag herself back, back out and then following back in again. Mm-hmm. And so – and then she finds out that her sister's Black Canary. Mm-hmm. I think that if she takes up – tries to learn to fight. Yes. Right? So that she can kind of take her sister's place. I mean, obviously, we'll see Sarah in this season, but I don't think she'll be the bigger part of the season. We'll probably see her in the later half. Uh, dealing with Ross, but but I I think uh, Laurel will go to Oliver and want him to train her to fight, and he'll tell her no, so she goes to find somebody else, and she finds Wildcat, and he trains her and helps her um, climb out of the hole she's dug herself into, and there can be a romantic connection there. He's got Sarah, Oliver has got Sarah, he's got Felicity, uh, Oliver's he's got such a Huntress, <laughs> he's such a <laughs> I would be completely fine if they gave uh, Tegment and Laurel their own romantic storyline and let them go off and do their own thing. That'd be fine by me. Okay, as long as it gives Laurel something interesting to do. And you know what? By bringing in a younger actor, and yes, he is younger despite what you may say, uh, a younger <laughs> actor to play Ted Grant, um, you know what? Then it's not a retired wildcat. It's an active wildcat, which means we get another right. superhero on the show, which is all Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, like I said before, I mean, I've seen the actress who plays Laurel in other things. She has the physical capability to be a black canary. Mm-hmm. I say let her do it. Why, we can't – I mean we can't not have two of them, right? I mean oh. that would be okay. Yeah, more the merrier. Yeah. That's certainly Oliver's motto in life when it comes to the ladies. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Uh, and now we get down to the crap. Uh, the crap. Yeah, the, <laughs> we we go from the good, which is DC television, to the crap, which is DC DC film. We're we're gonna we're gonna talk about the news that came out of Comic Con about uh, Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice. And if you're tired of listening to me bitch about this, go ahead and turn the podcast off. You're not gonna hurt my feelings. It's okay. <laughs> 
Okay, let me start off by saying that I'm going to join you in the criticism here. But all of that said, DC won San Diego Comic-Con because of this. That's very, very true. The, People the are talking this. about this. Absolutely. We're going to be talking about this. We're going, probably going to spend more time and talk more about this, certainly more fervently about this than we did Avengers. Yeah, I mean, our if you go back and listen, Age of, our Age of Ultron conversation was, hey, looks yeah, okay, looking forward to it. Hmm. Yeah, that's nice. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. St. Joss forever. Uh, but really, that's it. We're going to get pretty heated, I think, on on this. Yeah. Uh, they did show uh, footage from uh, Super Friends. <laughs> Super Friends, pissed from what I've seen. <laughs> yeah, I did get to catch the these are Super Friends no more. That's right. I did catch this on YouTube. It was grainy and low quality, and somebody, I would record on somebody's phone. Somebody's phone. I did see it as well. Um, basically just for, since it's probably taken down now, give a, a little description. Uh, it's, it's really not much. It's about 30 seconds, I'd say 30 to 40 seconds of footage. Uh, it's essentially Batman. Um, and I'm just, I'm not going to get into detail. We're going to go into the detail in our discussion. I'm just going to give a basic framework. Batman uncovering the bat signal, turning the bat signal on, and then he's looking up into the where the bat signal is being projected into the sky and the camera pans up and Superman is flying in the middle of the bat signal. They look at each other. They don't seem happy to see each other fade to black. Right. I think he even saw some heat vision going on there on right before it cut to black there on Superman. That was where I was going to get to where I wanted to debate this a little bit. Now, you know that I think Zack Snyder is a pretty bad director. Uh, I, I've not been a fan really of anything he's done except for his Dawn of the Dead remake. I did like that. Um, I was not a fan of 300. Um, Watchmen was okay, but really, unless you make a huge mistake, you can't go bad when you've got that kind of material that you're working from. But it really wasn't that. I, I, I would just rather read the comic when it comes to Watchmen. But he didn't screw it up. Let me just put it that way. That's the best compliment I can give him. He didn't screw it up. Man of Steel, he screwed it up. Yeah. Uh, now, we have both said that if you were to remove Superman from the equation, Man of Steel is a pretty decent, entertaining movie. It's just not a Superman movie. Uh, he completely misunderstands the character. Now, watching this footage, I have to say there's a couple things that I didn't hate. First of all, I liked the white eyes on Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going well, back to the comic books. Well, if you really look at that, that's not just his like uh, cape and cowl. He was in the armor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, so. it's pretty. It's pretty cool looking. I have to admit, it's cool yeah. looking. I like seeing the white eyes, which I've only seen in the comic and the car- and the cartoon. I don't think they've ever done it in any of the film versions that I'm aware of. Um, so that was cool. Uh, it looks cool. Zack Snyder knows how to shoot a scene. You know, I've, I've, I have said he makes things look good. Yeah. Um, and it was nice seeing a little bit of the red heat vision. But I'm going to say what I've said from the beginning. I'm sick and tired of superheroes meeting each other for the first time and then fighting each other. It's it's the ultimate eight-year-old boy cliche. Yeah. Um, 
So it looks good, but I just don't see anything that makes me go, ooh, can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see these two people destroy another city while fighting each other. Can't wait to see a bunch of more innocent civilians being killed while these two guys get into a super-powered dick-measuring contest. I have to say, in the spirit of fairness, The Avengers, which I think is probably the most perfect movie of all time, did have a scene where the superheroes fought. And I hated that moment. It was the only scene in The Avengers I didn't care for was the stupid throwdown between Thor, Cap, and um, Iron Man. Iron Man. Thank you. I can't believe I forgot about that. And now, it didn't help that Josh shot that thing really dark, and I was watching it in 3D, and 3D and dark do not go together. I could barely yeah. see what was going on in the scene to begin with. But you know what? It lasted, what, two minutes? Exactly. That's what I was going to say. It's, it was it was one of those things where – and I'm, I'm, I don't know this for sure, but you know that the producers said, we've got to have this scene. I mean it's, it's um, a traditional kind of scene for a reason, and so they kept it short. And it made sense. I mean the, the progression towards why they fought, why they had this little tussle, it made sense. But it, he kept it short, and it was over, and then we could move on from there. Actually, actually, let me interrupt you there. I'm going to disagree with you and agree with you at the same time. Okay. It was short, but it wasn't over. They did continue to spar in the fight, but they did it verbally. They continued yes, to bicker throughout the film, but you know what? That's funny, and it also develops the characters and the relationships between the characters. Having people throw buildings at each other doesn't develop the characters. Absolutely. So and, and did it the right way. He had the couple minutes of the throwdown of the fighting and all that stuff. But then he basically said, you know what? We're all grownups here. Let's have them fight. But let's have them fight with the brains. And besides shooting 3D movies in the dark, what really does Joss do wrong? I mean, <laughs> what does he not do wrong? I mean – he, he goes to Fox and pitches a sci-fi series. Oh, yeah, that's true. That was, yeah. Yeah, you don't do that. I'm going to say that was contract issues. Anyway, <laughs> this trailer, I wanted to be another 10 seconds longer. I wanted Superman to shoot that bat signal with his laser beams and for Batman to go, haven't you done enough property damage? <laughs> that's what I want. <laughs> Fade to black. That's great. I saw online there's some photos from the set that have leaked out. This isn't quite Comic-Con, so we're going to sidetrack for a second. Um, it came out, I think it was yesterday, because it came on my Twitter feed, some photos from Detroit where they're filming the movie. And the headline had to do with um, something along the lines of, uh, it looks like there will be more destruction in Metropolis's future. Because it was a Metropolis bus that was all twisted and burned up and a Metropolis police car that was all twisted and burned up. And my first reaction was, this is probably still crap from the first movie they're cleaning up, to be honest with you. <laughs> See, I saw that and I thought, oh, look, Superman was here. <laughs> Are fans of Man of Steel going to blame this on Zod, too? He's not even going to be in this movie, guys. Come on. It was Zod who did it. Yeah, what are they going to do this time? They, uh, when they're destroying Gotham and Metropolis, fighting each other, uh, are, there's no bad guy to blame on this one. It's either going to be Superman or Batman. But you know the trailer was my favorite part of that whole thing. I, I didn't have a problem with the trailer. Let's, that was fine. Nobody talked. Nobody was out of character there. <laughs> 
no buildings crash down in the background with memory, you know, bringing back memories of 9-11, which we can apparently now commercialize in superhero films. Um, we'll be talking about that a little bit on our next podcast, too. I have something, yeah, oh, okay. 9-11 commercialization, yeah. Is this the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles thing? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that one, too. <laughs> Michael Bay, bringing some Bayham. Uh, yeah, I guess my verdict on the footage is it was good for what it was. It didn't make me want to see the movie anymore because it just sort of continued to be the whole Batman and Superman are going to fight and cities will collapse and thousands of people will die. And But it's going to look damn cool when it's happening because Zack Snyder can make things look cool. You saw 300 after all. He makes things look cool. Um, Can we just call this trailer Batman vs. Superman and move on to the next movie? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it ends with Superman frying Batman in his heat vision. The end, Superman's better than Batman. Get over it, folks. That's right. Hey, I don't like but, Superman. I got a Superman represent there, even if it's a half ass genocidal Superman. Um, but what really got my goat... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, in the neck of the woods that you live in, that expression has all sorts of meanings. <laughs> right as a mountain lion. We got to see the first picture of Wonder Gal. Okay, my first reaction upon seeing it was, man, that's a lot of Photoshop. Right? Um, I didn't hate it. Because my feeling was whoever designed the costume, I know you had far more problems with the costume than I had, and as you're going to get into, and after hearing you know, your, your feelings on it, I agree with you. I'm just going to give you my immediate response to it when I first saw it, which was that's a costume designer who knows they're working with a twig. Because yes. that costume looks about an inch and a half thick. I mean, the actual material looks about an inch and a half to two inches thick. Most people, when they wear clothes, it's a centimeter thick, if that. They're actually adding bulk onto her by sewing it into her clothing. And it does make her look a little bit foreboding. It makes her look a little intense. But if you look at where the the costume ends and the skin begins, you see it concave in, basically. Uh, The costume is designed to make her look bigger than she actually is. And that's a tradition that goes on a long time. I mean, look at the sculpted abs on the Batman costume that we've had Uh in a few films. Um, That's a, you know, that's a traditional thing for the last 10 years or so. Um, The only person out there who doesn't have to worry about that is Robert Downey Jr. Because he's CGI the entire time. He's a superhero. He's got the best deal in, 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 in the superhero industry, the film industry. Um, So when I first looked at it, my thought was, well, the costume designer, did what the costume designer had to do to make her look tough. But it really didn't look like Wonder Woman. Yeah. It looked like generic female mythology figure. Right, yeah, like somebody that was just plucked out of any, you know, uh, uh, Greek-Roman movie. It could have been out of 300. Exactly. I mean, there's nothing there that made me go, oh, that's Wonder Woman. I just was like, oh, that's, you know, a mythological female warrior. 
which is fine. But again, it, at least with Batman, you've got the black bat or yellow bat, depending on which version of Batman you have. With Superman, you've got the S, which stands for hope, which doesn't exist in those movies anyway. Uh, <laughs> but where's the color scheme of Wonder Woman? Yeah. I, I mean, looking back, what I, I was the the eagle plate on the actual costume? It was. It's very subtle. Okay. And the same color as the rest of it, but you did have the uh, stylized eagle W thing going across her chest. Yeah. Okay. So at least it had a little bit. Of, it just. It's fine. It just doesn't look like Wonder Woman to me. Now, now, now it's time for me to be quiet and for you to rip this poor girl to shreds yet again. Well, I egg you on. This is terrible. <laughs> it's horrible. I okay. It, I expected worse. I hoped for better. They went with the leather skirt thing instead of like a thong, mm-hmm. which is what I was worried about. So, <laughs> well, the problem, I think overall, the problem is, my friend, she doesn't have an ass to show off. With a- <laughs> <laughs> the okay. First look at this picture. What I love, love about this picture is all the joy and hope and the superhero of this picture, right? I mean, <laughs> this has got truth, justice, and the American way written all over it right here. I uh, know. <laughs> My biggest problem, I mean, outside, I could tear it apart. I mean, you've got the uh, uh, dark and brooding and gritty and the the... I don't know where the hell is she standing? Is that a volcano or something? I mean, it's uh, it's it's very intense, and uh, yeah, okay, that's what they're going for, whatever. But I don't know. It's just it's not as good as it could be. It's just not not as good as it could be. Um, the shoes, I have a really big issue with. And maybe this is dumb. Maybe it's, the shoes don't matter. But she's in dominatrix boots. She really and, is. Yeah. Those those are those are streetwalker boots right there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they've got to put a little height on her in order for her not to look like a munchkin again next to the other two. Yeah. But does, does she need the heel? I mean, is that really that important? And what I get a lot of people saying is she looks like Xena. It's a Xena ripoff. And when you put it next to a Xena picture, oh, it it's like Xena's exact costume. It really is. I mean, I'm- I was going to say, I'm okay with that. I don't have a problem with it being a Xena ripoff, except... Go back and look at pictures of Xena. She didn't fucking wear heels. No, but of course Lucy Lawless is six feet tall. That's very true. Yeah, she didn't need them, did she? <laughs> yeah, she's, she's, she could have played Wonder Woman, actually. Right. Uh, so. Yeah, I'm looking at the costume, and in defense of the boots, they say that they need something that's – if you if you look at them, I'm kind of looking at it now. If you look at – oh, my gosh, we're about to sound so geeky because I'm about to get, like, forensic on this. If you look at her left leg, it actually looks like it's more of a calf guard because I can see a little bit of skin on the side, unless that's a reflection that I'm catching on the inside of the left leg up around the knee area. Uh, If it's not a reflection, it looks like skin, which makes me think maybe these are stylized shin guards that go over the shoe and then go up toward the knee. Because at least that would be some sort of a defensive thing where it's a shin guard rather than part of a boot. 
I thought I had this saved to my computer, but I didn't. Oh. And so I Google Hold on. Wonder Woman I'll send it. San Diego Comic Con. Yeah, here you go. And all I'm getting is lots of cosplay that's way better in this fucking movie. <laughs> here, I sent you a quick little link to it. Okay. If you look at the the left thigh, left leg, this sounds like we're doing a porn cast, buddy. If you look at the inside of the left thigh. <laughs> oh, you're right. Yeah. It looks like it might That's actually just be. A shin guard. Yeah, it looks like it's just a shin guard. And if you look down toward the shoes, it looks like you can see where they sort of sit on top of the shoes. So, so these aren't actual like full boots. These are she's just wearing high heels with shin guards. Yes. Now that's not somebody true. online said these aren't heels; there are wedges. Like I know the fucking difference between heel oh, and wedge. <laughs> Listen, um, we're into comics. We're in, no, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> you already had to edit out one thing I said that was like, remarkably inappropriate. <laughs> Let's not go for two. Yeah. So uh, okay, she, I don't know. She does have the lasso, which is good. Yeah. Um, but I have to admit, it just. It's fine. I mean, it's it's acceptable. Um, it's good for anybody who's never really read Wonder Woman or seen what a Wonder Woman costume looks like and is judging their entire concept of a female warrior on Xena. They're going to think it's great. But for those of us who've read the comics and care about the character, we're like, that doesn't look like Wonder Woman. That looks like one of the other people from that same island that Wonder Woman's from. Right, right. Well, it looks like something uh, somebody else from Themyscira, or however you say the name. Uh, I can spell it because I've read it, but I very rarely, very rarely have heard it. Um, you know, it just looks like something else on Amazon would be wearing. It doesn't look like because okay, because here's the thing, and maybe we're jumping the gun. I can't believe I'm going to try and defend Zack Snyder again. My gosh, I'm going to. I'm hanging up on you now. I'm going to have to go to heaven for this sort of thing that I'm doing here. I mean, this is the ultimate sacrifice. Maybe this is an early version in the sense of this is what the people on that island wear. But by the end of the film, when Wonder Woman decides to become Wonder Woman, remember, she becomes Wonder Woman. She takes on that identity to fight for the human race. Um, She abandons her own people or leaves her own people to do that. Maybe this is the island clothing, so to speak, and by the end she will adopt a costume which is more of a combination of this with sort of the more traditional Wonder Woman look that we've seen. Now, I've just completely outthought David Goyer. He's not that smart. He's not going (laughs) to figure that one out. But this would be a very acceptable costume for her on the Amazon island. I just don't think that this should be her Wonder Woman costume, for lack of a better way of putting it. If she's taking her cue from Superman, this is Wonder Woman costume. This is Wonder Woman Snydered. Oh, God. (laughs) Which brings me back to uh, a conversation we had just a little uh, while ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, If they're going to bring Blue Beetle into the Justice League movies. Can you imagine Blue Beetle Snyder? I don't want to. Don't give me Think those thoughts. Bad, that's going to, I mean, just, yeah. It's just, 
you can tell the tone of our show. We went from, oh, man, Constantine looks great. and Oh, can't wait to see The Flash. We're going to have, like, crossovers and Gotham. Not a lot of news, but you know what? It looks really good. Arrow, amazing stuff. Season 3, Brandon Routh, The Atom, all sorts of new characters come in. And now we're saying, oh, God, this movie's going to be crap. Can we just get it done with? Yeah, the costume's okay. I mean, you can see the level of enthusiasm drop between DC television and DC film. It's just – and that's – it's just terrible because we are more excited about the B cast. You know, we're more excited about the backup teams historically than we are about – the big gun, the big guns, because you know yeah. what? The people who are doing the backup guys, the people who are doing DC television, they care about the characters. They like them. There's a lot of enthusiasm. And you know what? I hate to say it. There's joy on those programs. I mean, even the little bit I saw of um, Constantine, which looks like a flat out horror series, had more comedy in it than the entire movie of Man of Steel. Yeah. So... I mean, I, it's fine. As I said, I think they won Comic-Con because people are talking about the footage and people are talking about Wonder Gal's costume. But at the same time, it didn't do anything to make me say, oh, wow, can't wait to see the film. Or mm, maybe this film would be good. Or even maybe this film won't suck as bad as Man of Steel sucked. Man of Steel sucked. It's just disappointing. I mean, they're, they're hitting on all cylinders in – Every other area, well, maybe not DC publishing. The comics are some of the. I'm not a big fan of some of them, the new 52. But their television is amazing right now. I just wish I could get a little bit more enthusiastic. I mean, did you. You watch the YouTube video, right? Right. Is there a part of you at some point that watches stuff like that? And it's moments like this and a few other things where you just sit there and you want to slap about 20,000 geeks in the face and say, stop playing into the freaking cliche. Right. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. all these people went absolutely nuts over, Oh, they're going to fight each other. Like, Oh, please. You know, we're trying to advance beyond the cliche of what a geek is. And you got all those people there getting major woodies over the idea of Superman and Batman throwing punches at one another. And see, that's, that's why I get so upset over the boats where, where, Moving on from this, right? I mean, we're supposed to be. We're trying to, right? Yeah. I mean, do we really need Wonder Woman in, in hooker heels? I mean, I the, so. the status quo isn't okay anymore. I mean, exactly. Um, if you look at Arrow's fan base, that's a huge. That show has a huge female fan base. A huge female fan base. If you look at the Marvel superhero films, there's a lot of girls and a lot of women who watch those movies and enjoy them. Now, I think that they'd probably enjoy a little bit more girl power in those films. Yes. Um, they're a bit male-dominated right now. I have to tell you, with the opening that Lucy just had, I, I think we're going to see a Black, a Black Widow movie coming out pretty quick, because yeah. that movie just made huge amounts of money and showed that Scarlett Johansson can open an action film. But that's off topic. We'll talk about that another time. You have a huge female fan base out there. It's not hasn't quite crossed over into the actual comic books, but you have more women in the comic book industry now than you've ever had before. And when it comes to independent comics, you have a lot of women buy, reading, buying and reading independent comics. Marvel has known that. 
DC television knows that. Marvel television. I mean, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has a huge female following as well. Look at Man of Steel. Is there anything in that movie other than sculpted abs that's going to make women really get into that film? Is there anything that we've seen from a footage of, of Superman and Batman punching each other? Or We haven't seen this footage, but that we're going to get of Superman and Batman punching each other and throwing buildings at each other that's going to make oh, just an average woman go, ooh, I want to go see that movie. No, it's going to make a bunch of fanboys say they're going to go see that movie and a bunch of you know, 16, 15, 16 year old boys go see that movie. I guess what I'm saying is I really wish David Goyer and Zack Snyder would grow up and, right. and realize that we've grown up. Geeks have grown up. Or at least we should. <laughs> or at least we should. I mean, heck, look at... Uh, the, the current mecca of geeks in pop culture is Big Bang Theory. That show has transformed over the last couple of series with the introduction of strong female characters that have counterbalanced the male characters. And it's a pretty balanced show now between the male geeks and the female geeks. There's nothing that DC Cinema is doing right now that's going to bring women into the theater. And I think that's the reason why if you look at Man of Steel – it, made, it had a huge opening weekend. I think it made like 110, 120 million. It closed at about 250 million, which means it had a huge drop off. That drop off was after all the boys and the fans went and saw it opening weekend, there weren't any women going to see it the second week or the third week. You know, women are the ones who wait a week or two before going and seeing a movie. You know, they hear good word of mouth from coworkers or fellow students or their boyfriends, et cetera, or husbands. They didn't hear that on Man of Steel, and I don't think they're going to hear it on this. And that's why these movies are always going to have this plateau of they're going to have a huge opening weekend, and then they're probably going to fall off. Now, there's an argument that, hey, incorporating Wonder Woman is going to bring the female audience in. Uh, yeah, but Wonder Woman looks like a hooker. Right, right. Not if she looks like this. And there's the problem is that, yeah, it's going to make her money up front, but – it's not going to change anything. It's not going to make anything better unless DC, unless the movies do it first. Mm-hmm. They have to to set the bar, and they have to give us a, a Wonder Woman that doesn't look like she's wearing hooker heels before people, you know, will move that direction themselves. As long as they keep feeding the masses this, they'll go buy it. Yeah, it's it's sad because all you have to do is just point. They don't even need to cross the street, man. They can just look down their own block and say, hey, look at television. Look at your own DC television. They're doing it right. Just do what they're doing. You know, just do it on a bigger scale. But instead, it's they're playing to the cliche. But the truth is, we're not the cliche anymore. Geeks have grown up. Comic books have grown up. Comic book movies have grown up. Guess what? When you have your comic heroes meet and fight, they do it like they did in the Avengers. Two minutes of fisticuffs, an hour and a half of extremely intelligent bickering. All right, so I think that's it for this week. The kick-ass music at the beginning end of the podcast is Big Damn Heroes, and you can find out more about them at facebook.com slash bigdamnheroespan. And you can always hit us up at facebook.com slash geekinpodcast, and feel free to follow us at twitter.com slash geekinpodcast. And, of course, the address for the blog is geekinpodcast.blogspot.com. We'll be seeing you soon. Slowly it is told that you can die a whole